Join Ans and Scotty October 15th from noon to 3 at 185 West 12th Street, Sweet C in Ogden. Customers that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple device while supplies last. We are joined right now by Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. What's going on? Oh, another week, another favorite in the Pac-12. Washington State looks yeah, really yeah. good. Washington looks really good. Oregon and Arizona look really good. Are you buying any of this? Or you figure just put it all in the wash for October and just let it go through the spin cycle and see how it spits out in November? Yeah, I, uh, that's how I kind of feel. Every year with the Pac-12, and, and I think we've almost said this too many times to remember, but there's just all kinds of head-scratcher wins and losses, and you, you, you kind of just have to wait to see how it plays out. I mean, you, you hope that your team is doing a great job and maybe only having a one-off, but, man, it seems like every year at this time we're starting to get some wins and losses that you're just like, man, I did not see that coming. And I, I don't even know how to explain it sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm more of the type that's going to just wait and see what happens here because, man, it's just it's, every year I'm confused about what happens about this time of year. Uh, that's a bunch of crap. This year it's all about Utah. They're the overwhelming favorite. They're in a great spot. They should be favored. They got seven games left. At worst, at worst, they're going to be favored in six, possibly all seven games. So it's their division to seize. We'll worry about who they play, Oregon, whoever it might be, when we get to that point. But as far as the South goes, it's them and everybody else. And anybody who thinks differently is either a fan who wants to put up a defense mechanism to make sure they're not hurt, or they're blind. Which one do you fall in? I'll give you a third category, and you see the obvious, Riley. You got three categories. Choose one. So, so I'm either blind, yes. or I'm what? I'm blind. You're or a fan I'm, who wants to put up a defense a mechanism. Fan. That's what it is. That's what I am. I'm a fan who's putting up a defense mechanism. No. I mean, look, Utah is in a great situation when you start talking about it. They are. Um, I think what's a little bit different this year is that they're, they're, they're hunted rather than hunting. And it seems like in the past, nobody really thought they were going to win the South or those sorts of things. And now when teams come to play them, they're going to bring their best game. And it's a different mindset. It's a different type of mentality when you know you're going to take the best shot from everybody. But there's no question that that Utah has this completely within their sights that they have it completely under their control. And I think that's probably what Coach Whittingham is talking about. He's like, look, don't get caught up in all this. We just have to win on Saturday, and then we have to win on Saturday, and then we have to win on Saturday. And that's our job is to just each week stay focused on the task at hand and take care of our business. Riley Jensen joining us here, our college football insider. Anything to worry about in the matchup with Oregon State and Utah? Well, I mean, obviously Utah has players and the depth and all those things. And I think the one thing that I love about college football is that sometimes we forget that even at Oregon State, most of those players were the best player on their high school football team 
We forget that these are Division One athletes. You, you forget that these are Pac-12 athletes that are playing at Oregon State. And so if Utah doesn't come prepared, if they don't come ready to play, and they let Oregon play with them and let Oregon play with them, then all of a sudden they're in a game. I mean, look at UCLA last week. I mean, that, that's, that's turning into a dumpster fire down there, but it was all because they gave them confidence early in the game. So I think what you, what you want to do, and, and I do not, by the way, I'm not comparing Utah to UCLA or, or any of that stuff, but what I'm trying to say is if you let Oregon State play with you for the first half, then you give them a little bit of confidence. Then it's going to take you a little bit of, to, to kind of make a halftime adjustment and really lean on them. But if you come out quick and you're, you're able to do the proverbial punch them in the mouth a little bit, then they're not going to be so willing to play the whole game. And so – you just don't want to give teams like that confidence because if you do, I mean, they're still good football players. They still run fast. They still can hit. They still can throw the ball around, even though they don't have as good a record as everybody, you know, maybe thinks. And so you think it's a yawner. So you got to come out. You got to be focused on the fundamentals of your game plan and just come out and really get after these guys early and put them away because really a Pac-12 championship in some ways is a war of attrition. And it has to do with depth, and it has to do with having enough players that are good enough to come in and replace a starting player because of injuries. That's what that's what you worry more about as a Utah fan right now is is do we have the depth? I think they do, but do you have the depth to make it through a Pac-12 season and still be able to win games? Yeah, that leads me into my very next question because Britton Covey announced, not this week, but last week, that he was probably going to redshirt this season. And so they used him early. And when they used him, he clearly wasn't the Britton Covey of that we've seen the last prior years. So each time they threw him the ball, he really couldn't do much. So it was actually a negative. And now he's going to try to get himself healthy for the coming two years. And, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. But you speak of that depth. So how not, they haven't had Britton Covey at all this season to the level that he was, and now he's not going to be here at all, obviously, going forward. How big of a blow do you think that is, that not having Britton Covey at the full strength of Britton Covey will be for the Utes going forward? Well, I think it's a little bit of a blow that you don't have the full strength Britton Covey, but I think we already saw that, right? Right, exactly. We saw that there was yes. a little bit of explosiveness gone. Yes. Um, I think... <laughs> What you worry about is that leadership. You worry about that ability to be there and really be there for the other guys and help them through things. Now, it's not like because he's hurt that you know he can't be there at the practices, that he can't be there in the game. But there's there's a little bit of a difference in the way that that players take coaching from players that are playing, and or or suggestions from players that are playing than from players that aren't playing. And there's also the, the the other psychological part of injury where you're injured a little bit. It's really interesting and it's fascinating when it comes to the psychology of injury is a lot of times, and I don't, I don't necessarily think this is going to be true with Britain because I think he's an outstanding human being and he's, he does a lot of good things as far as leadership goes. But players generally feel a little bit, um, how do I say it? Like they feel like they're just kind of, away from the team a little bit because typically they're going to work on their knee or they're going to rehab or they're going to get some things done so that they can so they can heal up and so they can get back to the team but they feel just a little bit away from the team and they feel a little bit disjointed when it comes to an injury and typically it's not because the players 
don't really enjoy that player or really enjoy being around that player, but they're just not around as much when they get injured. And so it's kind of like, well, we have to move forward. We can't can't sit around going, man, I really wish we had Britton Covey because that would really help us. They have to play the best they can. They have to replace him the best we can. And sometimes that leads to a little bit of a, you know, uh, a little bit of a distance between the player that's injured and the team. So it'll be interesting to see if his leadership is still a key role here because I, I think his leadership is maybe one of the things that we can't put our finger on and that we can't really understand how much he really leads other players and helps other players to work hard and to be the best they can be because he's he's a fantastic person. Switching to the BYU-USF game, Jaron Hall is making his first start. You're a former quarterback. You've been an offensive coordinator uh, at multiple high schools for years. Coach up the quarterback who's making his first start on the road. What are you telling him? What can you do to get him ready for this? Well, I think if I'm coaching him up, there's there's two things that I talk about. I don't, I don't, I try not to overcomplicate it for a player. So, a lot of times, all I do is pick out one thing that I think is going to be a key thing for him. You know, it might be like, hey, every time you get to the line of scrimmage, I want you to point out who your read is. You know, and, and typically in the run game and the pass game right now, you can point out who your read is, right? They, there's there's all kinds of things that you can do so that doesn't give away exactly what you're doing. Or I'll give him some sort of a task that says, hey, just be really aware of where the whip linebacker is in the protection today. And if you know where the whip linebacker is, then everything else is going to fall into place. But if you, I think I think the thing, the mistake that I made as a coach when I was younger in coaching was, hey. Don't forget to know where the whip linebacker is. Don't forget to know where the mic linebacker is. And oh, by the way, on this play, you got to read the cornerback, and you, and you give them this list, this long laundry list of all these things that they need to do, and it becomes overwhelming for a quarterback. So I think giving him one or two solid keys to like help him calm himself down is going to be a key. And then I, I I just think the second thing for him is to really just take what they give you. You don't. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be Zach Wilson. You don't even have to be the quarterback you were in high school. You just have to take what the defense gives you. And I think that's the hardest thing to learn in college is you want to throw for all these yards. You want to do all these great things for your teammates. There's also that element of I want to come in and show people that I should have been named the starter from the beginning. There's this I don't know very many quarterbacks that are second or third string who don't feel like they should be the starter, who don't feel in some way in their mind that they should be the guy. And what can happen is, is you come and you, you come into a game like this and you overcompensate trying to make too many big plays. And so if I were coaching him up, I would simplify what he needs to worry about and I would say, just take what they give you. If, if we run a bootleg play and you're open to run, run it. You know, If it's just a short pass, just take the short pass. You don't have to complete it deep a deep post down the field. And I think that helps take the pressure off of him, and it also helps you to accomplish what you want to accomplish as as the offensive coordinator, as the head coach. And I think you'll see that. I think I think he's a mature young man. I think that he can make plays with his feet and his arm. I think he's a better passer than people think he is. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts to the pressure. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for is how will he react to the pressure of playing – in his first Division One football game as a starter. 
So as a, from a coaching perspective, you already talked about don't overload him going into it. And I, and I know what you mean. When I used to coach baseball, and I found myself coaching the bases, as the kid was walking from the on-deck circle to home plate, I would list about 73 things that he had to be aware of. And he realized, boy, that was just, that was just way over the top. There was no, if he even put the bat on the ball, I, was, I would consider it a victory after what I've done and mess with his mind. But during, during the actual game, how much are you going to have interaction with him and what is going to be your approach as far as X's and O's or rather trying to build up and strengthen confidence? Well, I mean, some of that depends on how the game's going, right? But I, but I think my game plan as a coach would be to become a master of questions for the game, not a master of, like, superlatives, you know, like, what did you see? Okay, what what are you seeing? What, you know, and make sure that you're on the same page because just by asking those questions and finding out those questions, you can find out a lot about where he's at and how much of the offense you have in that you can leave in or that you need to take out. And and I think that's that's really the key as a coach is not like, hey, you missed that read or hey, you did this or that. It's more like, hey, what did you see right there? Did you see the cover four defense? Did you see them roll to a cover three? Yeah, I saw it, Coach. Okay, so what took you to that throw? Well, I thought because they rolled to a cover three that I could hit that out over there in the flat. Okay, but you didn't see the backer underneath then? Is that what happened? Oh, yeah, I didn't see him at all, Coach. Okay, so we just need to be aware that when they roll to cover three, they're still going to try and cover the flat with the backer. You know, and I'm getting into a lot of different things, but you just keep asking find-out questions to see where he's at, and then – Really, after the first quarter, about the mid midway through the second quarter, you should know exactly where he's at mentally, and what plays that you can call to accentuate what he can handle. If that makes sense, because if you come out and you're like, "Dude, you just threw an interception to the guy you're supposed to be reading," he's like, "Yeah, no crap, I, I I didn't see him," you know. But if you ask questions and you find out what he's looking at, then you you can protect him a little bit as far as what's going on. And I, I think that's what I would be trying to do as much as I can. What can you do to help the defense? Because they're facing an inexperienced quarterback. USF is starting a kid who's, I think it's like his third start. And USF doesn't run the ball well. They're 88th in the country. Of course, BYU doesn't stop the run well. They're 119th in the country. What can you do to bolster that so you put more of the game on their inexperienced quarterback and maybe he makes some mistakes and helps you out? Well, and I haven't seen much film on this guy, but I think when we have a young starter, it's important to have kind of a blitz package in and then also a coverage package in. And I think you fill out the waters early in the game to see what he can handle and what he can't handle. If he can't handle the blitz package, then you keep bringing the blitz. If he can't handle the you know rush three, drop eight type thing, then, then you kind of stay with that. And so I think – I think you just kind of have to have both packages in. I think the best way to give your defense confidence, though, is to get a couple of plays early, early in the defense and see what's going on. And then, and then if if somebody's having a good game, like I feel like Kapusi's played some good football lately, or if some of these things are going on, and he starts to gain confidence, then then you start bringing packages with him and and putting him him in a situation where he can make plays rather than. Maybe worrying about the whole defense trying to be involved. Maybe you maybe you take one of your best two or three defensive players and you start putting them in spots to make plays for you. 
Your Aggies got a bye week. They're going to need it after that, or they're going to put that LSU thing behind them pretty quickly. Uh, I, I feel like they need a bye week, man. There was guys banged up all over the place. And, you know, the one thing that you worry about when you're a Mountain West Conference team is depth, and hopefully it'll give them a couple of weeks to get healed back up. Hopefully they'll have a couple of weeks to lick their wounds a little bit. I listened to Gary in some of his interviews. I mean, he's he's uh, he's pretty fired up after that game. He was impressed with some of the young guys that kept battling and making plays. Um, but he says, we're looking at the film, and we're looking at guys who quit. We're looking at guys who didn't quit. And uh, there was kind of like a, a firm upper lip. There was kind of a, we better pull ourselves up by the bootstraps right here. I think he was disappointed with some of the things that happened in that game. Um and and he understands as a great coach that, that even though that game looked like a blowout, that there was a lot of things that were going on there that if you just get off the field on third down or if you just keep some drives going on third down, that that game becomes a lot closer and you're able to put pressure on an LSU team that's really, really good. And so I think he's not he's not, you know, put this tape behind him. They're going to see this tape. They're going to learn from this tape, and then they're going to be ready for for University of Nevada. No question about it. Riles, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.